0: Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design
1: business. Diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable
0: advice and fostering a supportive community of the co-workers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday.
1: Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer Podcast. We are super excited to be here because today we are recording our last episode of season one. Oh
0: my God. And the crowd goes wild. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We
1: made it. We did. When we started this, guys, we like bought microphones and thought we could plug them into our computer. (laughs) And if you have done anything with sound or audio or anything, you know you can't you can't do that. You have to get like no. a sound set up with like a, a power source and
0: Oh, we, we basically had like five Amazon orders because we kept realizing we needed one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And, and then like, like oh, I need this table. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then what? Like it took a month for us to actually be able to record. Yes.
1: So, <laughs> you know, we always joke, how many designers does it take to start a podcast? And honestly, it probably should have taken more than two, but we somehow made it work. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: we did ask a few people. We did. We did. We joined for some, some groups.
1: We, you know, did some research and. Um, um, one of the biggest things that we are celebrating in addition to recording the season finale is that we now have a podcast editor. Um, hello, Woo. Stuart. Thank you Hi, for Stuart. listening to us breathing and like editing out <laughs> like all the stupid stuff we do <laughs> <in this laughs> and leaving in the good stuff, you know.
0: So Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes.
1: Let's do our little intro question then. Giselle, yes. do you want to get started with that?
0: Yes. Okay. So Jen, if you weren't a brand designer and money wasn't an issue, what would you be?
1: Oh man, this is such a good one. And there are so yeah. many good options too. You know, like I feel like my answer to this question, I feel like every time I answer a question, I say, this is a lame answer, but it's going to be a lame answer. I know it's not. <laughs> I really think that I would and this is not this is not just like money not being an issue. This is me being OK with not working. I would just be a stay at home mom. Um, and that is something that is that could be a reality for me in the future. And I know that I would love it and it be so fulfilling. And, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom um, growing up with me and my brother. Um, I feel like Like if there's there's so many other good options out there, you know, if it could be anything, you know, but the thing that immediately came to mind is is being a stay at home mom.
0: Um, That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, and and I'm in this really great situation. I know some of you are, are as well where I, you know, I have a dual income household where my husband is in the army and, you know, makes a steady paycheck that could support both of us if I didn't work. Um, and so having that is just the greatest blessing. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um and so what I do, you know, doing branding, it's not necessarily just for money, although, you know, working and building a business and, and making my own income is something that's really important to me just as a human yeah. being. I know that if if that wasn't as important to me, then I would, you know, just be a hundred percent happy with being a stay-at-home mom and <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's such an important job.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. um, Hopefully, hopefully sometime in the future. But yeah. So Giselle, do you want to answer?
0: Yeah, this is a hard question for me, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I have like so many other options that I would love to try out. But, you know, to group them together, it would still be sort of creative in a way. Mm -hmm. like. I'd be an interior designer or oh it's so good yeah but maybe like one of them that I've always thought about I've always been curious about is being a pastry chef <gasps> I love to bake oh. and I like to challenge myself with like really intricate recipes and I studied abroad in France and like fell in love with like all of their pastries and things like that and like Imagining myself in, like, another life, like, going to pastry school in France and just, like, becoming, like, this awesome pastry chef sounds like a dream.
1: That <laughs> sounds amazing. What's yeah. what's the coolest, like, dessert you've ever baked or created?
0: Um, I don't know what the coolest one is, but my favorite one to make, I really love making cinnamon rolls.
1: Oh, me too, girl. Like, from yeah. scratch <laughs> with the yeast and you have yes. to let it rise. And Yep. The whole process. Do you do um, where you rise the dough twice or one time? I always like to ask. Twice. See, I like to ask people who make their own cinnamon rolls. Do you do it twice? Because I've tried recipes both ways where... You only let the dough rise once, but you got to do it Uh once in the bowl and then roll it out, put it in the pan, roll it up, and then let it rise again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Welcome to the baking podcast. Uh, (laughs) Our uh, next project. I know, right? (laughs) We definitely don't have time for that. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: could talk about food for hours, so let's just move on. Yes.
1: Same. Okay. So... We mentioned earlier that this last episode of our season is going to be all inbox questions. One of the things that was really important to us when we started this podcast was not just to talk about things that you know we like to talk about, but to discuss things um, that are going on in your guys' lives and your yeah. guys' businesses, things that are important to you, and so. This episode is courtesy of all of our amazing listeners, the um, wonderful people in our Facebook group, on our social media, people who filled out um, our survey way back in the day, months ago, when we were first considering doing this project. So, yeah,
0: before we bought our microphones, (laughs) before the microphone fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. We're celebrating the season finale and just like seeing how, like, we started off. I just want to say, Thank you, Jen, so much for being such an awesome co-host. And if it wasn't for you and I thought about creating this podcast by myself, this would have never come to fruition, basically.
1: I feel the exact same way. I'm clutching my heart in, in my video feed. <laughs> I know you guys can't see that, but that yes, was so sweet, a Giselle. <laughs> I, I feel like we have all these little like love fest moments. And I hope you guys know that you're invited to those. We we feel the same way about all of you guys as we do about each other. Yeah. Um, But I I see, I feel the same way. It's like... Some things in life you just can dream about. And then when you find the right person, you know, you just I, I remember <laughs> you remember when I like t- like pitched this idea to you? Remember when yeah. I was like we had <laughs> literally like our talked, second video call. <laughs> we had literally talked one time <laughs> before that. And I was like yeah. and I was walking my dog and I like thought I was like what if I made a podcast? But then I was like, I definitely couldn't do it alone. You know, like I need someone to like converse with because as much as y'all know, I could talk and talk and talk like that would be extremely (laughs) boring. So I was like, oh my gosh, Giselle, she's so, you know, she's a couple of years down the line. She has more experience than me. Like we just have this, you know, great back and forth and our conversations are so good. Like I I think you were like, yeah, let's do it. I I don't think you like, I was like, you can, you can think about it. Like take some time, think. And then you were like, no, no, let's do it. I'm down. I yeah. was like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember after our first call together, I thought, wow, like that was so awesome. Having this like hour long conversation and we, and we had to stop and be like, we have to go to work. Yeah, <laughs> And, and, but we were just like having such fluid, like talks about all the stuff about our businesses and branding and, and showing each other mood boards and stuff. And And then after that, I thought, man, if I had a podcast, I'd do it with Jen. (laughs) So when she said that, I was like, yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's great. I mean, like one of the reasons why I love what I do is the people that I've been able to meet through it, you know, like, I mean, when you say like oh, I spend a lot of time on Instagram and just my friend that I met through Facebook. And it's like, my husband yeah. still thinks I'm a little bit crazy that like I have all these <laughs> yeah. friends that I've never met in real life. And we're definitely going to change yeah. that next year. I'm coming to Sedona. Get ready. Yes. I want to see some wild pigs and like whatever else is yes. going on out there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, do. it's amazing. And so if you find someone like that or you see someone on Instagram whose work is similar or you feel is in a similar place to you in, in their business, like reach out, like get on Mm -hmm. a a phone chat, you know, get on video call, like have a cup of coffee together, 30 minutes. Like it really could change, you know, your business. And I really feel strongly about that. Um, I literally the other day was just talking with Giselle about, you know, what do you think about this logo? And she was giving me some really good advice. And then we were celebrating together when, when she got a logo concept approved and it was so good.
0: Yes. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> the lovely thing about twenty nineteen is that we can make friends online and mm-hmm. and like build these networks. And I know like a lot of people ask, like, how do you get clients and people respond networking events? And some people just like really hate to hear that because there aren't any in your area. But there are so many virtual events now, and like virtual summits and mm-hmm. and like webinars and things where you just like meet other people. And I've actually built an online network where people refer clients to me this way, too. So you don't have to go to an in- person event. So, we highly encourage you guys to be collaborative, uh, relate to each other and just like stay open online and, and realize that that's a possibility as well.
1: Exactly. Just because someone's a competitor doesn't mean that you need to be cold. <laughs> right. Yeah. It <laughs> could end up being one of your best friends, you know, And and so don't let those opportunities pass you by. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now that we've gotten all that gushy stuff out of the way, <laughs> let's dive into answering some inbox questions because I know that's okay. what you guys are here for. So let's start. Um, this question, I hope I pronounced your name right. I'm so sorry. It's from Ronke B. Um, she says, sometimes I feel weird about outsourcing illustrations because I can't illustrate. I wonder if any other designer feels that way. Um, and I'll just go ahead and jump in and, and and put my two cents in here. I don't think you should feel weird at all. About outsourcing something that is not your strong suit. In fact, I think that's something to celebrate when you are able to say, "Hey, I don't have the skills and like necessary to make this project as good as it can be." And so I'm gonna, you know, tap into my network, tap into social media, find another creator, pay them what they're worth, and then bring them on as this collabor- collaborator to the project, and ultimately make you know the logo way better than you know what it could have been.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, if if anything, like maybe just changing the perspective about this is about the client and this is going to give them a better service. And if you were to create the illustrations, like I'm not an illustrator either.
1: Yeah, me neither. I mean, I can do a little bit, but it's, you know, yeah. for for really complicated, like I want something that looks really old timey that has a lot of like sketchy, like that's something that I would consider hiring an illustrator for. And I've seen a lot yeah. of designers do that, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's a really great way to just like we said, network and get connected with other people in the creative industry, maybe not necessarily branding, but, and then you can use them again for another project. So, you
0: know. Yeah. True. All right. Let's move on to the next one. It's by Lauren Felton Boynton. I'm very curious how much and what types of research other designers do before they begin a branding project. So Jen, do you want to get started?
1: Yeah. So this is going to be very unique to every designer. Um, I think that once you do a bunch of brand – if we're just talking about brand identity, um, once you do a bunch, you'll realize what works and what doesn't work for you. Um, I used to do a ton of um, image research on, across a ton of different platforms, Dribbble, Google, Pinterest, um, like mm-hmm. Instagram. For like, the mood board. That, for the mood board, et, et cetera. Um, color – Etc. cetera. Um, but really now I just, my process is so streamlined and I've just, I'm very confident in it that I just go on Pinterest. I make a board and I put just a ton of stuff on that Pinterest board, it, way more stuff than it's going to make it into the mood board. Um, and I use Pinterest's um, suggested images tool to like, if I find an image on I'm like, yeah, this is definitely going in, I click on that and then Pinterest will give me suggestions for images that are similar. Yeah. I love that feature. Um, so, you know, using some AI, it's it's just it's great because then you can craft a mood board that really is related based on Pinterest, you know, color and type matching, whatever whatever the the programmers have done there is just it's amazing. It's a great tool um, in terms of other types of research that are non visual. I, I do dive into if a brand already has um, a following or a presence on the Internet, social media, current website. I read every single word of the copy on their website. Um, I dive into their social media. I read through a bunch of their posts. I look at their followers and I see what types of accounts and businesses are following them. I look at the people that they're following. You know, I look at people who are their competitors, the people who are following them. You know, like I just kind of go down this rabbit hole of research in um, the digital space and see just kind of like where the brand is positioned and Um, I really feel like that helps inform me, um, not only, you know, not designing something that looks like every other, um, you know, competitor, but also helps me make something that is just completely unique and it's going to appeal to the people who are already following them, but also towards the people who they're trying to attract.
0: Yep. And um, one of my favorite books that I read this year, um, it's called Scramble. I think it's by Marty Newmer. If that's how you pronounce that, it's a a fictitious story. He's actually a business book writer. Um, <laughs> terrible choice of words, but let's go with it. <laughs> and um, and it ta- and he goes on about agile marketing or like agile strategy, and you can learn about it more when you read the book. It's like a really easy read, and then at the end, he has like key points of how you can apply this strategy um, to your clients. And he goes um, into research a lot in there too. And he basically what Jen said, like you um, try to understand the market and the the past of the client, like you have to know what the client has done before and how people already feel about the brand. Um, and if you wanted to get like really in depth about market research, then I would recommend hiring out because that's not what brand designers forte is basically. And yes, and you can only do so much. So if they do want that as an add-on, then make sure that you uh, partner up with a marketer or something like that and um, do that kind of research. What we do
1: just, it barely scratches the surface. It's it's enough for us to know how to design the brand, but if they're looking for brand positioning or or if it's a bigger company, then that's something that you definitely need to get help with.
0: I think you hit everything that I would research too. Okay.
1: Awesome. All right. So next question from Danny Kessie. She wants to know how to improve her client workflow system. And I'm assuming that this means just the processes that are in place that brings the client through each part of the project.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm assuming as well. So Giselle, do you want to answer? Yeah, I'm always trying to improve my client workflow systems. I'm not going to talk about tools, but just a quick mention on on the tools. Um, I use Dubsado and I use ClickUp. Every time I finish like a project with a client, um, I think back on like, okay, what could have been improved? What could have been smoother? not only from my end, but also from the client's end, because I used to have all of these links like, and this is a link for that. And this is a link for this. And like, I used to use like the Dipsado um, platform and, but they weren't using, like, I was noticing, like, what are they not using and what are they using and where, what do they keep asking questions about? Like, Hey, where's that link to blah, blah. And I try to think up of ways to make it easier so that they don't ask those questions again for the next round of clients or, or project or whatever. So, um, We mentioned this in the previous episode, like a post mortem. You can do that for your for every client, every project, every process, and then have it recorded, like step by step, and um, go back to it. Like you don't have to spend much time on it either. Like I just did this yesterday on exporting logos. I just like I was going to export logos, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to write the process that I have, and then it makes you become really intentional about it and realize like where can you clean it up.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that everything you said is you know it's great i really feel like you're the client experience queen you know just cuz you have so <laughs> much you have so much experience you know with it and you've seen what works and what doesn't work and it really is like i don't want to just say this for every question but it is individual to each designer and you have to try mm-hmm. things and see what works and what doesn't um i was using asana for a really long time but then i don't know it's just some of my clients were having a really hard time like logging into a different platform and you know yeah. everything happens over email now and so um, I don't work with a ton of clients at once but um, you know if I do then I definitely see myself maybe needing to use some kind of management but right now I'm just using email because I don't really send back and forth that many types of emails you know like if yeah. a client has extensive revisions or refinements for me then I get on the phone and I, I take notes by hand yeah um, and that that just helps me really internalize that stuff and I find that it's just, as whatever is easiest for the client, like they're in their inbox anyways, they're going to respond to me faster when, yeah. you know, and they're getting notifications from us and I in their email inbox anyways, like why make the process like harder for them? So that's something yeah. that's, that's what I'm just trying right now. I know that that's not sustainable. Um, once I, you know, start taking on like five, six, you know, clients at the same time, but, um, it really yeah. just tests, test, test, test.
0: So when I started doing my client process, um, I was using Trello so that we could have all of the projects on those boards. And um, I still use it for some of my clients that I know it works well for But then there's other clients that they just like don't log into Trello. I still use it for my end to keep to stay organized. And that way they can access it and see like what's being worked on and stuff like that. But instead, like I use their preferred method, which is um, email. Then I sing about like ClickUp, which is eventually I'm going to move everything to ClickUp, but um, is that you can just forward the email to your ClickUp task and the entire email shows up. I've even used it for my um, junior designers and they can see the email. They can like I can upload the attachments on there just by like forwarding it with a quick like Chrome extension.
1: So good. And
0: that's been really great for us, like for my team. And it's also been great for the client because then they don't have to like think back on like where is everything or, you know, like they they respond quicker when they're using their preferred method of communication, which Unfortunately, a lot of the time is email.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. It, it definitely is not like the best solution, but you know I'm kind of in between workflows right now. So I guess, Dani, I am in the same um, situation as you, girl. So we'll work on it together. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, next question. Um, Chelsea Warren wants to know, what does your retainer option look like? And I'll just go ahead and jump in. I currently do not offer retainer services because the only services that I offer right now our branding and web design. Um, I do think that Retainer is a, a whole beast of its own. I think it can be incredibly lucrative. Um, I think it's a great way to upsell yourself. And I know Giselle has a lot to say about this, but I, I do have one client on Retainer that I've kept from you know the early days of Davis Design. And they account for a very large portion of my income. And we have a specific agreement where I do a certain number of graphics Well, it's not even a certain number. It's like around 150 graphics a month. And then they pay me a flat fee. And that just has worked really well for us because we have a great, you know, we have years of, you know, a relationship um, and we just have a lot of mutual respect for each other. We have everything tight under contract um, that gets updated every year. um, And like the invoicing is just super, it's a breeze. So um, yeah, let Giselle, do you want to talk more about your retainer stuff?
0: Yeah. I want to start off by saying that um, offering retainer packages, I highly, highly recommend to offer them to clients you've worked with before, because you don't want to um, lock yourself into a situation that you're not going to be happy with. And um, having a project like, you know, we are brand designers, so most likely they hired us first for a branding project. And that's a great way for you to, to see if like, did I love this brand? And would I love like continuing to support them? with design and um, and if the answer is yes then offer them a retainer package and what I do is I actually offer three options. I offer like a budget option because you know I want to work with them. I want them to like feel like they're getting their money's worth for that option. But if they're like really want to take it to the next level, there's that second option, which is the one that I like prefer them to choose. It's like that middle option. So I really think about like this is what I suggest you would you could have and then the third option would be like the the big retainer option where they're like I just want to go full force with my brand and I want all of the support you're able to provide so I'd be like okay you know this is how much the kind of like the not the maximum but near that of what I would want to support them with and so that would be the third option so most most likely like no one's going to choose that last option unless they're like very ambitious um, and they're going to choose that middle option but if you do have a client that's more budget but you still want to work with them like they they do have that lower option um, to choose from
1: I love that I love tiered systems like that it helps anchor the client you know
0: yeah yeah it's a great way to show the client that you are here to work with them um and they have an option as opposed to just getting like a flat out no and um and then like deciding like what's going to work for you too I also present my retainer packages with ideas for the retainer because a lot of clients like they don't know what they would even need it for. And if they don't, if they can't think of themselves using this service, if you can't help them imagine this, then they're not going to buy it. So you would have to like paint them a picture. You know, it's just like classic sales 101. Um, you have to show them like, this is what your business would be like if you sign on for a retainer with me. One of the benefits that um, I make sure to highlight is that having a retainer provides momentum for their business. Um, how many people are just... You know, they have all these ideas and then they end up not doing it because they don't like put a deadline or they don't like they don't have any accountability. They have the accountability um, because they're paying for the service. Um, I do a three month minimum. So they're paying for the service for three months and they have to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. And I also have to make sure that they're getting their money's worth by at the beginning of the month. I have a call with them. I tell them, hey, what do you want to work on this month? And they tell me all of the list. And then we say, OK, this is what we can probably like accomplish for this month. And then let's save this other thing for the next month. And that way they're like constantly keeping everything in motion and they're getting stuff done. And they're like feeling like, super legitimate and their brand is really getting solidified.
1: And you are getting paid every month. And you are. Yeah, and <laughs> you,
0: you know, you can project like what you're going to be paid for the next few months.
1: Yes. It's awesome. Yes. Wonderful. OK, next question. Um, Tessa Hudson, um, asks, do you recommend designing websites in Photoshop or Sketch? And I'll just go ahead and answer, I design websites in Sketch. Um, Sketch is one of an, the newer programs to me. Um, I've been using it for maybe about two years now and, I love it. It's great for digital design. If you do any app or UX, UI, um, anything like that, it's really great. I love how easy it is to go from building a mock-up in Sketch to implementing that mock-up in whatever platform you're building the website in. Um, one of the little teeny features that I love is when you copy or when you right click on a color in, in Sketch or an object that has a fill, it will automatically highlight the hex code of the color in the options bar. And so you can just copy it to your clipboard and paste it right into squarespace. it's uh that's awesome. there's just little things like that with sketch that um it knows that you're you're building for digital, and so it just optimizes those little workflow things that I love so much. Um so i highly highly recommend
0: using Sketch if that's not something that you have already tried out. And I just want to quickly add that I've been using Illustrator for a while. I used to use Photoshop when I was working in the agency, um, and then I moved to Illustrator because I love that so much, and now I'm like, I really need to get on sketch because, yeah, like Jen said, it's it's going to be way better. (laughs) It's there's a learning curve. Yeah, Yeah. do
1: it. You're going to try it out just like with any new program. Like when I started using Illustrator, I I wanted to like just bang my head against the wall because I was so frustrated. But like, you know, now I feel very confident. It's just like anything else, you know, there Mm -hmm. it's pretty intuitive Um, just like in the Adobe's new, um, CC where you click on an element and it gives you options for that specific element. That's how sketch works as well. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful interface. I really like their alignment tools. Um, just dive in, play around with it. You'll get frustrated. You'll feel like you're building really slowly, but it will be worth it in the long run for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. We have two questions from Nikki and, and, um, here's the first one. All things legal accounting, what steps did you take to make your business legit? And do you have any resources that help with this stuff?
1: Giselle, I feel like I want you to start with this one because I feel like your business is way more legit than mine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm still like confused. <laughs> <laughs> but, so um, it's okay if you're confused or if you feel like yes. you're not legit
0: because both of us are like, ooh, yeah. This kind of goes into dealing with imposter syndrome, which we'll talk about later. But um, so... When I first started, I started as a sole proprietor, um, which is just like if you don't do anything and you just start designing and start getting paid and file your taxes under that, like you're just going to that's the automatic way that it happened. That's what I am. Yeah. Then the next step up in my eyes is um, turning into an LLC. And that requires, depending on what state you're in, um, registering uh, with an agent and it protects you to some extent. So that if you were to get sued um, for whatever reason, then they're not going after your personal assets like your house and your car and anything written under your own name. Um, And then there's um, S Corp, which I have been learning a heck of a lot about. Um, If you reach a certain amount of money for the year and you don't want to get taxed of the yin-yang, then (laughs) you would consider like becoming an LLC. and Filing your taxes as an S corp. Um, some people even um, just become an S corp. But the difference between LLC and S corp, for me, as far as I understand, is that you actually have to like do a bunch of paperwork, like a lot of management throughout the year with an S corp, as opposed to an LLC. You don't have to do any of that, so that the um, the IRS sees that you're like you're legitimate. And um, with these ones, I recommend working with an accountant, and they have a really good idea of what is best for you. So I have an accountant right now which I just started using one. I used to do my own taxes using TurboTax and I know like my accountant's going to look at my taxes and be like, "You could have saved so much money." Oh, God bless <laughs>
1: you for doing your own taxes. I'd never have. I've always outsourced.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a total DIY person, which is <laughs> a blessing and a curse, but anyway, like yeah, I I just recently like got um co- contacted with an accountant and she is the one that explained to me that I should file that. I, I signed up for an LLC, which is actually Wonder Design Studio, and my DBA, uh, doing business as name, is Wonder Design Co. So I was sole proprietor doing business as Wonder Design Co. And then I decided now that I, I, when I was making more money, I'm going to turn into an LLC. So I registered for the LLC, and everything's like tied to to it. And now that I'm filing as an S corp, but I'm still an LLC. Um, I'm getting like an employee tax number or tax ID or something that way I file yeah, as yeah. my own employee. And yeah. And yeah. then, um, which I never had to do before. So uh, just like go talk to an accountant. They're going to really help you out and like understand and then do some research as well. Um, and don't use legal zoom, <laughs> um, talk to an accountant before you do anything like that. And most of the time, like I know it's scary, but a lot of the times going with an accountant is going to save you more money. Than you trying to do it yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, even filing taxes as a sole proprietor, um, my first year, I didn't understand, you know, quarterly payments, and so yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'm balling! Look at all this money in my, you know, checking account." <laughs> and then I got hit with a huge um, tax liability at the end of the year, and it, I, we thankfully had the cash to pay it. But there are situations in which you don't have the cash to pay that tax liability and then you get into debt, into the IRS and it's just a whole sticky situation. So, yeah, I I the one thing that I can say about this because I am new newer to, you know, the legit business scene is that uh, hire an accountant, at least hire a CPA to be your taxes at the very least
0: they're going to be super helpful. And yeah, do your quarterly taxes. That way, yeah, you don't get dinged. <laughs> at
1: the end of the year. Oh, that's like the biggest thing that I tell new designers. I'm like, girl, if you're not paying your quarterly taxes, all you have to do is sign up with the, the IRA online. You can, I just pay online. I save all of my, you know, confirmation numbers and everything. And, and my, my CPA actually gave me an estimate um, based on my income from last year, how much quarterly tax I need to pay every quarter this year. Um, and then I, you know, I, I take a look at my income and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to overpay a little bit. I'd probably add a thousand more onto each quarterly payment or whatever, just to, to make sure that I'm covered.
0: And then, and then you get a tax return, right? For like anything that you overpaid.
1: Yes, exactly. So it's not money that you're losing. You're just avoiding any kind of fees um, at the end of the year. So, and um,
0: one last thing about this is if you're using QuickBooks, I think it's called like self-employed or something. It's like the cheapest version of QuickBooks. Um, they help you do your quarterly taxes and they even have like on the top right section, like estimated quarterly taxes due. And it gives you like the deadline as well so that you are aware of the deadline and you're aware of how much money you should have yeah. to pay those taxes. Cause that is not your money.
1: At the beginning of every tax season, I put it in my calendar, quarter three taxes due today, you know? And I make sure that yeah. I pay that before then and it just goes through and it's just seamless. Yeah. Um, Man, the freelancer tax, though, girl, that's just it's so high. Like, I didn't realize that yeah. when, um, you know, I started freelancing that because I'm the employer and the employee, um, I end up paying both halves of Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. Whereas yeah. if you work for an employer, they usually split that with you. It, yeah. um, so I was like, dang, is that really how much? Ta-? Like, I feel like I'm not even in that high of a tax bracket. Like, why am I paying so much? You know, that's why. Yeah. It's like 14% versus 7% for Social right. Security, mm-hmm. Medicare and
0: Medicaid. And that's why my CPA recommended filing as an S Corp. So mm. talk to a professional. We are not professionals in this. Take it with the grain of salt. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. been our experience. And then Nikki Ann also asked, how do you guys attract the right clients?
1: I feel like this is something that we have gone over a lot during the past season. Um, I think we might even have an episode on it, but the short answer is work on your yourself. Work on your design style, develop a style that's consistent, something that you're proud of. Do personal projects, um, even if you have a friend who needs a business like design it for them for free, just show your work and show your the best side of your work. And that is how you attract the type of client that's attracted to that work. That's my short answer,
0: yeah. My short answer is it's just two things. Share the work that you want to do more of mm-hmm. and um say no to the clients and projects that you don't want to do. Yes, just say no. Just say no. Love it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> So much easier said than done. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at some point, I, we said this in an earlier episode when you say, yes to a client, you're saying no to another one. So just Mm -hmm. remember that there's going to be another opportunity. Next question. The next one is by Alexandra Maria McGinnis. That's a cool name. Yeah, beautiful. Thoughts on doing discounts for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I'm inherently against it, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Ooh, okay. I'm personally not doing any sales because I don't have any product. I feel like Black Friday is more of a product thing, you know, like if you sell templates or... I don't know. Like, I just don't like the idea of discounting my service. And I'm in a price point where a discount really wouldn't make that much of a difference as, you know, it's not a tipping point between like, oh, now that it's 10% off, then like, you know, I'm going to go for it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the the investment is something that someone is going to make regardless of, not regardless of the price, but a lot of the time, like it's, you know, a discount isn't really going to make that big of a difference for a client, whether they're going to book you or not. That's my opinion.
0: For me, I agree. Like I'm not this year. One of the big changes I made is not to offer discounts. And, um, last year around cyber Monday, black Friday, I offered like not directly a discount, but it's basically a discount, um, to my current clients that if they signed on for a retainer, I would add an additional, like um X amount of hours depending on what retainer package they they went with. So that is technically a discount. What ended up happening instead was that my more budget end clients um signed on for this. And then it just kind of brought me more into this like, oh great. Like now I have to <laughs> work with a client that's not ideal. And um mm-hmm. and it just like made me realize that, that was not a good idea. So I just decided not to anymore. But with that said, like some people, you know, I know some of you guys have template shops and things like that. So I highly recommend asking that question as well um, for anybody that has like digital products or other things where they have seen success doing a Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Fun fact, Black Friday is called Black Friday because apparently like most companies run their business in the red. And then by the time November hits that they have these sales and they finally go in the black. So they're like no longer in debt. And they made no up most of their way. profit around this time. Yeah, that's why it's I called Black no Friday. I
1: idea. That is such a great little like tidbit.
0: Yeah, isn't it awesome? That's amazing. Yeah, so I think like with digital products and things like that, it makes more sense. But for a service, I don't think so. Yeah. But that, again, that's our opinion.
1: Okay, Gabby Waltz asks, how did you balance your work-life schedule during the early days of building your businesses? To be honest, the early days of building my business were definitely not as busy as they are now. I think- I took my time with it, which is one way to do it. Um, I I kind of eased into, you know, maybe I I take on a project here or, or there. Um, but I was doing Etsy also, and I was oh yeah yeah th- back in the day. It's crazy. It wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> I say back in the <laughs> Um, but like the early days of building Jen Davis design were very much, uh, working through, you know, like my own mindset stuff and, um, just kind of doing free projects for friends and family and building up my Instagram and my, my portfolio, redesigning my website a billion times, you know, um, I think balancing in my work and life schedule now, um, it looks very different. Um, yoga is a really big part of my life. And I know I've talked about this before, but I am in yoga teacher training right now. And I, I teach two classes a week. And, you know, if I don't have that to say like, okay, you need to put your work down because like you have students who are going to show up to the studio and like expect a yoga class, then like, yeah, (laughs) I would probably be a lot more burned out than I am now. And it seems annoying in the moment where I'm like, I'm almost done. Like I just, you know, but having to walk away, um, I think just being honest with yourself about what you can take on um, and then what you want to take on. Sometimes more money is not going to be the right answer for you. Sometimes you need to lighten up your workload. Um, just being honest with yourself with that and then setting boundaries and sticking to them, um, I think are my two biggest pieces of advice for for work life,
0: work-life balance. I read this like in so many different ways, this question. I'm thinking back on when I first started building my business, work-life schedule, was very sporadic and like scattered. And it was very much that like feast or famine mindset. Um, so I don't recommend what I did at all. <laughs> and um, it was very not misguided. It just didn't have any guidelines set to it. So what I recommend is that if you're starting out, let's say you don't have many clients, you have a lot of free time, um, treat your own company, your own business whether you are registered under your own name, your sole proprietor, or you create an LLC, um, treat it as a client and work on your client workflow system, work on your processes for everything that you're offering. Make sure that you're not trying to do everything. That's a big problem that I had is that I thought I had to like do everything, learn everything. And what I mean by that is like, I have to offer, offer all of these services and just think about the ones that you really, really want to be good at. Um, Let's say it's branding. And then later down the line, you'll add in websites. But right now, like really focus on that one thing that's going to make you stand out and it's going to get you those clients. Think about what's been um bringing income and work on that. So really focus on what's going to bring in income so that you can so that you can build your business. And um, but like what Jen said, you don't you don't say yes to everything like make sure that it's everything's intentional and you're on a path like you have a goal set. I also recommend um signing up for something like like you don't have to get a coach or anything cuz that that's a bit of an investment at the, at the beginning but signing up for like a membership. I remember when I first signed up for um the profit planner lounge. I think it's called something else now and it's by H- Haley.
1: Oh, I've seen her on Instagram.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know the one. She when she when I signed up for her thing uh, before that I had no idea like like what am I supposed to be working on what am I you know this and that like and and just reading through like everything that she, all the content that she had on there like really made me understand what I need to do and become really intentional with how I grow my business and that was a game changer for me and I think I only signed up for like two months and then just like stopped doing it but like it's it's stuck with me since so I highly recommend doing something like that. Um, so that you're a bit more guided and you can, um, schedule that in terms of work life schedule. Um, I think of like, how do I working from home? How do I schedule working? And then also like interacting with like my husband or whoever it is that you live with or your family members. And I would say building a routine is very important, even though you're working from home, um, deciding like to set limits. So if you don't want to answer and be available in the evenings to your clients, you know, you are you are creating these habits for them so that they know, like if you're going to be available or not. So let them know and stick to it. Like if you're going to work on weekends, but you say you're not going to work on weekends, don't let the clients know that. Um, and just like really, again, treat yourself as your own employee, like give yourself limits, I think. As creatives, we actually really do need limits so that we can really grow. Um, I think that's the way we become the most creative and the most productive as yes. well. Yes,
1: so good. There's really nothing that I would add to that. You you really said it all. So here is our last question that we're going to be answering um, from Chelsea Warren again. Hey girl, um, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? This is such a monster. Um, this is something that I constantly deal with. I still deal with it. Um, the biggest thing for me. And I, I didn't make this up. I, I heard this from online somewhere. um, Is that you should create before you consume? I think that's a really, really, really good thing to think about when you're, you're, you're in the throes of imposter syndrome. Um, And for those of you who don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's you know where you feel like, who am I to be doing this? You, you really discount your skills. you look at other people and think like, I can never be as good as them. um, And you feel weird, especially around pricing and charging people money for your services. Um, So create before you consume. What does that look like? For me, this looks like if I'm working on a branding project, um, I don't go on Instagram before I open up my artboard. I really just let myself think and get creative, get outside, walk the dog, and then sit down and you know, don't even open Instagram and just just create. And then if I feel stuck, then 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 going online and looking, you know, at, at some Pinterest images. Um, but um, you know, the same thing goes for for writing. Uh, if you're doing blog posts, if you are um, just kind of generating anything that's creative, I, I think it's really easy to go and look at what other people have done, and then base what you make off of them, but what is really in the long run going to make you stand out as a business owner, um, and as a designer is the unique ideas that come just from you that are not inspired by anywhere else. Um, and not influenced by the things that you see. That's not to say that it's not okay for you to follow other designers and get inspired by their work. That's the number one way I found my own style was by noticing what I, what I liked about other people's work. Um, but if you are just really struggling with that, take some time off on social media and just create, even if you don't have a client, just make something, um, you know, design a, a little project for a fake client, you know, just create before you consume. That's that's my
0: advice. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice, Jen. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't remember who said this, but I also recently heard something um, that was about comparing yourself. And they were saying, if you are too focused on what other people are doing and aren't focused on what you're doing, then you're playing a comparison game and it's not doing you any good. Instead, if you focus more in yourself and what's making you happy, what's fulfilling you and forget about what other people are doing, that feeling of fulfillment doesn't even let you compare yourself to other people. And it's way easier said than done. I think we can both agree. <laughs> So, um, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. So yeah, like while you're working on that, on like fulfilling yourself, like, you know, really focusing on your own creative juices, like Jen was saying, um, don't expose yourself to, to things that are going to make you feel bad about yourself and where you're at, like. Because, you know, you could be comparing your beginning to somebody's middle and it's just not fair. Mm-hmm. The way that I deal with imposter syndrome personally, my mind was blown when I first listened to, my mind was blown when I first listened to Avani Mariella's podcast, The Six Figure Freelancer. It used to be called Against the Status Quo, I think. And she talks about words of affirmation and like mindset and things like that. And I didn't really know much about it. But when she was talking about this, like it just something clicked inside of me and I realized like, What is the story that I'm telling myself? Because that is a story that I believe. So if you feel like an imposter when you're talking to a client and you don't feel like you're a good consultant and you don't feel like you're a good strategist, you don't feel like you're a good designer, make sure that every morning you're writing these limiting beliefs about yourself. Like, I'm not a good designer. Like, write it down so that you acknowledge, like, this is what I think. And think about all of those things that you're thinking of that are not serving you. And then... She has like a whole, like, Albany has a whole process about this. So I highly recommend you listen to that episode. I'll link it to our Facebook group. And um, it's a little activity. And, she, and then you just work your way through it till you finally have like these words of affirmation that you're going to repeat to yourself every single day. Because the more that you expose yourself to that, the more you begin to believe it and you can overcome your imposter syndrome. Wow. That's so powerful. Guys, it's try a really it. powerful exercise. I highly, highly yes. recommend it. Awesome. Well, that wraps up all of the questions we have for this episode. Um, It's a bit of a long one, but I think it's worth every second. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully you guys find it helpful.
1: Hey, that's imposter syndrome. Of course you're going to find it helpful. (laughs) There we go. There we go. (laughs) You you
0: acknowledge the limiting belief and now you banished it. That's
1: (laughs) Amazing. It's advice and action, guys. There we go. Yeah. So... (laughs) Giselle, let's get pumped for next season. Tell our amazing listeners what we have in store for them for season two.
0: We have a few things already brewing and, um, we're definitely going to have a lot more guests next season. We are going to feature a creative mom entrepreneur because both of us are not moms yet and, uh, how to build retainers. We'll have a whole episode on that. Cause I think there's a lot to say about it. Creating CEO days and like times of day. Um, And so much more. So basically, whatever you guys want to hear, like, make sure that your voice is being heard by sharing in our Facebook group. And uh, we can't wait to hear what you guys want to hear. So because this entire episode is answering inbox questions, we are skipping the end of the episode inbox question. And instead, we're going to ask you guys a question, Jen.
1: So it is the last month of the decade. Mic drop. I know. Crazy. Reflect on the last 10 years. And then go in our Facebook group and post your answer to this question. We'll make a little graphic for you guys to comment on. What are the biggest milestones you've experienced since January 1st, 2010? 10 years ago. It can be life, it could be business, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be design related. Um, this is just a really, really powerful exercise that Giselle and I were chatting about before we got on recording today. Um, and honestly, so much. So much changes in 10 years. And if you are are struggling with your business, if you're in a place where, you know, you're not happy with how things are going, looking back at the past 10 years and just congratulating yourself for how far you've come,
0: it can be such a powerful practice to do. Really well said, Jen. And the reflections are just so important. It doesn't really matter how often you do it, but as long as you do it and having this big like 10 year mark. I think it's very powerful so that you can see like what has happened from 2010 to 2020 and and really get some clarity. Also realize like how much of a badass you are. Yes. I don't even know if that's a word we can use without this being an explicit episode. But there we go.
1: (laughs) No, you're fine. Hop into the Facebook group and chat with us. Like we'll be sharing our answers to this question in there. Um, Yeah. And yeah, like thank you guys. Just thank you for um making this little project that we dreamed up just, you know, I think at the beginning of this year, even. I think we started talking about this in April. Um, really making this a, a reality and, and knowing that you guys, you know, all of your feedback and all the positive things that you've had to say about this podcast has really encouraged us and um just to know that we're serving you guys in a way that's really important, um, in a way that doesn't exist currently. So Thank you. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to start hanging out with you guys in season two. Thank you guys again.
0: Happy rest of the year. Yes.
1: Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on
0: Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too. So share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at
1: betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to join
0: us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.